Hello and welcome to East Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen Alita Battle Angel. Yes. It's cyberpunk, it's action, it's uh, produced as the adverts will not let you escape mm. from uh, understanding by the team behind Avatar. It's James Cameron. That's the name all over it, although it's directed by Robert Rodriguez. Um, I think we've spoken before, maybe not on the podcast, but you and I have spoken before certainly about um, Rob- Robert Rodriguez having a problem directing women. And the way they've got around it in this is they've made a completely CGI. The film is boring, boring, boring. I could tell you were incredibly bored. I had quite a good time. Yes, I could tell you had quite a good time. You kept laughing at things yeah. that I thought were boring, boring, boring. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't think it's a completely successful film. And I'm annoyed at the fact that it's set to a sequel. I think the story could easily have been told in one movie and should have been. Mm. Um, I'll give the sense of the film without spoilers. Mm. It's based on a manga series from the 1990s called Battle Angel Alita. I don't know it. You know, um, but apparently it's been in development hell for years and eventually it's, it's been turned into a movie. Um, you start off with Christoph Waltz uh, searching through a scrapyard in the 2500s, set in the future. Um, and he's, he's obviously searching for, for kind of cy- uh, um, cyborg body parts. He comes, comes out with an eye and then he sees this torso and head of a girl. Mm. Um, and he takes it with him and gives it a body. And there's this thing about how she has a human brain. It's not completely clearly explained, but I think it's explained enough that you understand that um, he uses the phrase complete, complete body replacement, something like that. So the, the, the brain and the person inside it, I think, was a human. And the body around was replaced. Mm. One of the uh, appeals and attractions of the movie is that this is a completely CGI character mm. um, interacting with, with people. Interacting with, with human action. actors. Yes, with live And action. it doesn't work. It creates a big hole in the middle of everything. Well, maybe. Um, <laughs> she, she doesn't remember anything. She wants to know kind of what her past is, um, where she came from. Uh, she's given this name, Alita, by Christoph Waltz. And there's a lot of under, underdeveloped world building. There's a stratified um, society. So there's literally a city in the sky, suspended in the sky, which you, you never get to see because the rich people seem to live there. It's, you know, it's like an Elysium type of thing. Yes. And on the ground, they live in basically uh, Digbeth, you know, just well, scrap. With Digbeth with skyscrapers. Digbeth with, with skyscrapers made of scrap. But it's like, um, it, it's rather like Ready Player One, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and there's a, there's a suggestion even of a of a world kind of slightly under that at one point, but um, uh, and there's a, so there's, there's a thing about how people want to get into this great city. You can maybe buy your way there. Um, there are kind of sports. It's kind of this blood sport called um, uh, motorball that kind of keeps people it's based happy. Based on roller derby. Yeah, that kind of keeps people happy. It's like um, it's basically a load of uh, robotified people uh, skating, chasing fast. the ball around. Huh. Um, and in the kind of professional version, they they there's an awful lot of violence, like NASCAR, that sort of thing. Um, yes, and so this this affectless violence, really. So that's you, the, you know, the, she wants to find out who she is. Um, things start coming up from her past. People seem to know people. That everyone has a relationship with someone important, and so it sets up a mystery. And that's anyway, sort of the, you're missing out the important thing, which is she falls in love with this teenager. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, who's a bit who who's a bit of a thief, who's uh, stealing cyborgs' body parts for resale, so he can get enough money to go up 
you know, up in the world, to the world above. Yeah, uh, that's right. Which he doesn't understand. It's a big con anyway, because nobody who's born in the world below can ever go in the world above. Uh, so... He's played by Kian Johnson. He's called Hugo. And she's played... She, she's kind of motion-captured um, and played by Rosa Salazar. And uh, the, I said to you during the film, when they're kind of uh, falling in love, I said to you that 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 actor is the bravest actor. He's got the most trust of anyone I've ever seen. Because you have to have a lot of trust as an actor anyway when you're playing green screen and that sort of thing. That, you know, they're not going to make you look stupid. But to play a, like a, a love, a developing love with a completely CGI character is... Um, is yes. He's very good. I think he's very good. Um, Except right at the end. But I'll just say that's the end of non-spoiler territory. We'll yeah. talk about spoilers now. Well, let's not waste too much time on this because I just, unless kind of you want to argue, because I just thought it was dull, 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 really. Yeah, I know. Um, the, the world wasn't visualized very well. Kind of, you can see how they were attempting for kind of arresting images, but really, they're all ugly and overdone and kind of militaristic, and, you know, they have no grace, really. You know, you feel no affection for any of those machines or cyborgs. Um, and there's no human connections made, which you expected there to be, between Jennifer Connelly and Christopher Waltz, who play exes, after all, you know. Who kind exes of, who've lost a child. Who've lost a child, right? And so this is meant to be like kind of an adopted daughter, at least for Christopher Waltz. But really, kind of, you're made to feel nothing. Uh, it's, there's, a, there's a real deadness at the center of this movie. Emotional deadness. I think I think you're right. There is an emotional deadness. There's a lack of feeling in in everything. Um, you you should feel for Christoph Waltz and Jennifer Connelly. You should feel for the for the romance that develops between Alita and Hugo. Yes. Um, and you don't. And then when he dies at the end, I felt nothing. And that's where I thought the actor was weak as well. That's where I thought he was giving nothing. And actually, she's emoting so much in that. Yeah, you know, she's crying and she her face yeah. is contorting. And but he's can, and he's giving nothing. And he's about no to affect. But actually, I think he can't give much because. The role is played so stupid and it's so badly written. So, you know, they've just declared their love five minutes earlier. She saved his life five minutes earlier. And he's going up the ramp to another world without even telling her. So, you know, you're already kind of outside that because it's ridiculous. If you love this girl so much, at least bring her with you or have some emotional thing. It just feels like he's leaving her behind. So actually, you can't have that much affect. You know, uh, you can't feel much for him. Uh, subsequently, it's very badly written out. I think it's badly written out. I think, and as I say, I think this is a film where you can tell this story in its entirety in one film, and they haven't done that. They've set up a sequel where she's going to go into this upper world, this this supposed heaven, and take it down. Um, I think you could have done that in this film. I wanted to see that in this film. Yes, it's a lot of money down the drain. Um, uh, but... Yes, let's explore the butts. I mean, with its of, problems, there were lots of things I liked, and I had a good time throughout. I think okay. it's so. Let's explore that. So, kind of, you know, uh, I heard you laugh many times. So, kind of, what were you responding to that I was missing out? Well, on? I can't remember like specific jokes, but I but there were there were jokes that I responded to, and they were just little chuckles. Nothing was like uproariously funny, um, and some of them weren't even jokes. They were just kind of absurdities or whatever. But I liked them. Um, I I liked completely how it looked. You know, I'm not necessarily talking about... I think you're right when you talk about the way the world being visualised is poor, but blank. Um, but I like the look of the character, and I like the way she fits into scenes. And right, I mean, actually, it, in a way, it's not all that advanced, because it really reminds me of um, a film called... It reminds me of the uh, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, 
which I doubt you would have seen. I, um, I don't remember it anyway. It's from about 2002, and it was it's based on a video game. Actually, it's based on a video game series because it's the story doesn't have any relationship to any of the games. But it was just sort of it was this supposed video game movie, and um, and it was it was touted as the first realistic. Uh, CGI people in in films, mm. um, I mean, and it, you know it, it wasn't. They weren't. <laughs> you could completely tell. But nonetheless, I like the way it looked. And in this, this has the same sort of thing where at no point are you convinced of, uh, of the kind of of her realism within the scene. But but I I didn't mind that. Actually, like there was a slight cartoony aspect. I mean, she has this kind of she has these huge manga eyes. She reminded the whole me time. of um, a Margaret Keane painting. You know that Tim Burton film, Big Eyes. Big eyes. Yeah. That's she looked like one of those characters. Yeah, um, and like and like well and and like I say, um, you see the, you see big eyes in in manga and anime. And like that's the, uh, yeah, but this was like really exaggerated. This was more like a Margaret Keane painting. Well, I suppose in combination with how realistic the rest of her is supposed to look, the big eyes really stand out mm. in in her design. That's true. I like the way she moves. You know, I like the way she interacts with the world. I like, I like her energy. I think the film has a lot of energy, and mm. it all flows through her. You know, everything's kind of new to her, and she wants to do things. She wants to constantly get into fights, and she has these instincts, um, and and that also kind of she's very good at that because of because her her past. She sort of she knows all these martial arts techniques from three hundred years ago before this great war. That kind of that can um, only take you so far. I mean, I think I know. Well, I think the world building is is poor, and the history is poor. I wanted to know more about the war. I wanted to know more about 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 the, the she comes from Mars there on Earth I want you to know more about all that and it doesn't do any of that it assumes a lot it just says this was a war that happened there's a city in the sky you know the tropes and I found that very weak the thing that I wanted to get back to which was her eyes um, because it's not just that they're big but also that they look so sad right so it's just kind of it's it's an odd look for the heroine because on the one hand you know, she's meant to be like this vibrant, energetic teenager, you know, the, finding out about herself and seemingly, the, you know, finding out the power that she really has. And actually that she can also have more power with a different body, right? There's, there's meant to be an energy in that. And there's meant to be a wit and a humor and an excitement. I just don't think it's fully realized. And I think her look, which is also interesting because you see, had it worked, if you have like those big sad eyes... And then the forward motion of like, you know, the glee of discovery of power and body and so on. Mm. You know, that potentially is something very interesting, but actually it just falls flat. I think it large falls flat. I'm not sure it entirely does. I think there's an interesting commentary, although it's not entirely realised, on um, on transgender experience in there. There's a thing about how she, the first body that she's given is the body of like a 14-year-old girl. And... Um, and she kind of knows that she's not happy with it. And actually, when when she discovers in this crashed spaceship this um, uh, kind of warrior body, she knows I have a connection with this. There's something, and it turns out that it's because she used to be a warrior, so she really feels a connection with this thing. And when she's eventually uh, connected to it and put into it, she comes alive and she's leaping from rooftops. And it's a it's it's a little bit of a leap, but and it's kind of it's a very kind of broad analogy, but. There's something about how you, in I think some transgender people's experiences of kind of finding their way into that, like it's about kind of not being not being born into the body that you feel is yours, and you and when you can, you know, people go through kind of gender uh, or hormone replacement therapy and and surgery sometimes, and and the closer someone can get to 
inhabiting a body that they feel is theirs, the happier, the more elated they, they will be. And obviously it's a broad analogy, but in this, I think you get a sense of that elation when she realises who she is and then the power that flows through her. I, I, I think there's something in there because then there's also the thing that happens when, just after that, she reconnects with Hugo and he sees her new body and they kiss on the rooftop. And then she says something like, um, you know, it's, it's not a problem for you because he's, he's a human. She says, it's not a problem for you that, that I'm a robot. And he says, you're the most human person I've ever known, something like that. Um, and I think, again, that kind of, that speaks in a reasonably broad way to, to again, a kind of transgender experience of, of feeling well, different, not fitting in, your body being a kind of um, uh, obstacle to connecting with non-transgender people, maybe. I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, but I don't think the film delivers on it. And actually, no. because you see, my first thought going into that, oh, how interesting, because when you see this super body, yeah, that's the latest technology, but it's from the past and it's laid out, it looks like a man's body. Yeah, it's kind of, it's really muscular and broad chest and so on. Mm. And then actually, as soon as she inhabits it, you know, it's pictured once again as a female body. It reconfigures soft to, and round, right? To what she thinks of herself, her body, her self-image. Yeah. So, you know, if there's that idea of kind of, you know, a transgender experience of, you know, um, um, inhabiting the, bo- the body that you imagine for yourself, then actually the film doesn't deliver visually on it. Surely you're arguing that it, it does because her, she literally configures her body to what she thinks to what she believes herself to be. But her body, her, her body, so once she's sliced and then she's sewn into this other body, mm. right? After she sew, she sewed in, when you see it, it's really no different than the, her initial body. Yeah? It well, doesn't they do look ma- different. Well, it's not entirely. They do make mention of the fact that it's a little older. You know, no, they make a, mention that it's older and that it's more powerful, it's but more, visually, it's rendered the same. Well, no, that's the point. It's not. A, a, you know, she she is physically more mature in that body. She couldn't reconfigure the first body because it's just no. meant. Like, let's be clear, yeah. right? She obviously feels different in it, and they're telling us, right, that you know it's the body that she's meant to inhabit. But what I'm saying is that when you're shown the body without her in it, it's a male body. Yes. Yeah. When you're shown her sewn into her body into this male body is once again depicted as a female body. So, you know, the film kind of backs out out of that uh, potentially kind of very interesting transformation. I'm not sure what you're arguing there. I'm not sure. Okay, well, let me be clear. When you see the body visually and you're told this is like this powerful body and she wants it, it's, it's depicted as a male body. Yes. Yes. When she's sewn back into it, when her when her first body is sliced, yes. and then she's sewn into this it, incredibly the, the body powerful changes. body, the new body changes to become female-looking, become yes. a female body. Yes, yes. So, so you know, you're shown her having this power, and she feels more at ease in it. But actually, the way that the body's visualized is is no different. It's still visualized as the same type of female body that she had before. Well, then I don't know what you're arguing. You're just because saying, because it's, it's it, you're saying that it should be male or? Well, I think it would have been more interesting if they would have shown her shown, uh, sewn into a male body, which well, is what, be. you know, what it's, what it's initially shown. I think as. you're inventing your own movie there. I think what it does show is interesting because. No, I'm not inventing my own movie. I'm, I'm extrapolating from what you were saying about a transgender 
representation experience dysmorphia finding your real body and that your real body is other than the one you initially started with yeah but i but i think you're actually taking it a little too um too literally or too basically because you could look at it another way which i do and say that when she is uh connected to this new body and then reconfigures it to look exactly how she feels she looks kind of subconsciously that is the kind of fantasy of of uh, of a transgender um uh sex change whatever you know to have a body that exactly uh replicates what you feel your body should be that's the kind well, of well but then your then then your um transgender argument falls apart because her body starts off as the body of a fe- you know of a female teenager and actually at the end it's pretty much the body of a female teenager as well but it's not about just what it looks like it's about what it can well, do for me she has this connection okay. so we agree with what it can do changes but actually the way that it's visualized doesn't and to me, that is an issue. If you want to take further, you know, kind of the, this argument about, you know, a transgender experience. I'm, I'm just not sure it does, because I, 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 I did say it's a broad analogy, but I think the analogy is operating on this level of identity. You know, she, OK, she has a body that is a 14-year-old girl's body at the start, but she doesn't connect with it that much, you know? And when she discovers this new body, that, that she, she, you know, and then the doctor refuses to sew into it because he's kind of scared of the power it could... Uh, it could unleash because it's a it's a it's a warrior's body. Um, you know she's she's incredibly upset about that, but it's not because of what it looks like. It's because of the connection that she feels. That she says, "I can't I, explain." I it. get that. I and, think that's and why think... it's an analogy. <laughs> it's poetry, man. It's poetry. Well, listen. I think the film would have done that much more powerfully if it would have kind of made the body seem masculine. Okay, well, we can um, disagree on that because we just do. I would have liked to have seen less swearing in it. Um, oh, I didn't even notice any of the swearing. There's one use of the word fuck. Um, you know, there's a one or two kind of shits and craps and things. Like, it is like, and I normally wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't be bothered about that sort of thing. It's not, I'm not, I don't think I'm a particular prude about that sort of thing. But I think there is a kind you of... You are a bit. Maybe. I kind of come out going, I don't know exactly actually what sort of age this is aimed at. It seems very clear. If you, if you take away um, the swearing... And maybe a little bit of the the slightly gorier moments, because um, there are a couple. Um, you go like this is very clearly aimed at a kind of tween audience, kind of young people growing up and discovering themselves. Like the romance in it is a young person's romance, yes. and the kind of the big fight is a kind of young person's big fight, and the discovering the world is a kind of young person's discovering. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It has all that, but there are the, there are just one or two kind of elements of of slightly more aggressive or violent things that I felt was slightly out of place. It was weird to me. I kind of, I just felt it, I felt it was unnecessary to be honest. Well, the film is off kilter on so many levels and that's part of it, right? So, you know, it's true. The emotion, the the girl's emotions are all a tween girl's emotions that we're seeing, right? So, which kind of doesn't quite match up with, with the violence of the world. Um, And actually with the sentiment, with the sentimental, I mean, Okay, so maybe the the world is one thing because you know I've seen other mangas, in fact, where you know teens, you know, uh, unravel in a very violent world. But their sentiments are pure, and they're not just towards one person. You know, it's often towards family or parents, or they make best friends. There's an emotional world that's yeah, that's kind of mm. a context for this, and this lacks it completely. I think it lacks uh, a lot of it, um, but. But I, but I think some of that is successful. I, I kind of like the fact that it's actually none too subtle in some of those things. I kind of 
you know, I, I think it's it, it's completely, uh, it's very easy to disagree with me on this, and I would kind of expect you to. I like the fact that people just really say what they mean in this and speak openly about their emotions. I think that's another indication that it's speaking to a younger audience, that, that um, people people pretty much say, here is how I feel. Yeah, you know? but actually it's completely unmotivated. So, for example, Jennifer Connelly's turn at the end, where the fuck does that come from? Yeah. You know, like, absurd. Right, like, I mean, you know, you wanted more of that kind of, you know, Mahershala Ali's turn, you know, that's visually fantastic. But again, kind of, you know, where is it coming from? I mean, I just, I, I, I don't like what it at turn? all. What turn? Does he turn? He's got a wonderful moment where you realize that he's just a vehicle for someone else and his eyes turn blue. Yeah. Right. Um, so... You know, but that could have been textured in with the emotions of the person who is really a vehicle, who's really has been a slave to this person who's controlling him from above. There's so much kind of, you know, emotional kind of potential or the the potential for emotional complexity uh, in that character. And it's just nothing. Yeah, maybe. He does have that it's moment. just an image. He, yeah. he has that moment about um, talking about how he'd rather, he'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven, which is why he doesn't go up to the city you know yes but i agree i mean that could be more complex but I, I i think his performance is very good right at the end where um alita sort of has him on his knees and she says i want to talk to the boss behind you and his his performance the way he brings out the boss that's the one wonderful. moment that he i felt he came alive to me yeah um, um but it was very good yes um it was very good but that was it you know, and he'd been on screen now for like, you know, 45 minutes before he had that moment. Yeah. So. Ultimately, I think the storytelling is poor. I mean, I think we can probably agree on this. Yes. Right? Like I say, I think the story, I think you can have Alita go up to the city in the sky and take it down the mm. way that you know she's going to in a future film. Yeah. I think you can have that in this film and have just a complete story. I don't think you need this this cliffhanger or, or you know, whatever, about how it's going to develop. I, think, I I was annoyed by that. I won't see that in this film. I won't a complete story. And I think all of this kind of world building is is too empty. Um, it's very poor storytelling. I think the action is very good. I really I, I enjoyed the I think the action. action is almost good, except because you're not emotionally invested in any of these people. You know, you really don't much care. Whether I was emotionally invest, invested in Alita. Well, I wasn't. And, you know, I wanted no. her to win and I wanted her to realise herself and all that sort of stuff. I just, and I wanted to, you know, when she goes into that bar with all the all the mercenaries, all the bounty hunters, and starts a fight, you're going like, oh, this is exciting and I wanted to see what happened and I, and I knew that she was going to take everybody down and I wanted to see how. I, I found the, and, you know, then the, there's the roller derby, um, roller derby, murder ball, whatever, uh, fight, you know, sequence. I, I, I said to you beforehand, I, I would have liked to have seen this in IMAX 3D. Um, which we didn't get to, we just saw it in 2D. And I'm not going to go back and see it in that, but I would. I wish I had, because I think it would have looked even more spectacular. I, I liked how all that looked. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, to be honest, I did think that, you know, some of the moments and the way that they depicted the action, you know, when the bad guy does the tentacles thing, mm. I thought that was, like, very well realised. But I did still feel kind of emotionally uninvested, really. You think, you know, they're all cyborgs, they don't really die anyway, and it's just CGI. Um, so, you know, and, and, and actually in a way that doesn't matter because, you know, you can be very identified and emotionally attached to cartoon characters. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not per se that they're CGI. It's just that they haven't been created in a way that I found involving and I wasn't involved. Yeah. Um, and if you're not involved with the character, then it's very difficult to be involved in the action. 
Yeah, that's all fair enough. Like, I can't really disagree with it. Like, I, I couldn't basically recommend that people see it. Yes. Um, but I also have to tell you that I had a good time. And I liked Alita, I liked the character, and I liked the romance, and I liked all the tween stuff that, I, that this was supposed to be. Mm. And those, those kind of, those tonal mismatches made me a little uncomfortable. Because well. I just thought this is like... I, I, but then this is not the only film I've seen that in. When I, when I talked about the swearing, this is not the only film. Like, it happens in Marvel an awful lot. There's just this really kind of free swearing in those films. I'm thinking, who are these aimed at? Are we just now... Is everyone just swearing now when they're, when they're 12? <laughs> you know? Well... You know, if you walked on the street, you, the answer would be yes. <laughs> I know, but they, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, film, to me, films aimed to at me that didn't the, used to have swearing. To them. me, that's I didn't even notice. To be honest, I mean, my main problem is that it was dull, um, and you know, my um, you know, because I don't know why, but I kept, I kept thinking it's a James Cameron film, right? I I, th- I thought it was a James Cameron film, <laughs> and I was going uh uh uh. And then, actually, when the credits came out and it said Robert Rodriguez, it kind of made sense to me, you know, because I, I think the last Robert Rodriguez film that I really liked was Spy Kids 1. <laughs> you, like, did you, you like The Sin Cities, didn't you? Um, I did like The Sin Cities, actually. So were they after Spy Kids? Yeah, I think so. So, actually, that makes sense even because, you know, what I loved about Sin City was the look yeah. of it. You know, and actually, kind of, you know, this did this did look very interesting, though not as interesting as Sin City. Um, <laughs> and know. actually, it kind of it has the worst part of uh, of of what James Cameron brings to a film, which is uh, his writing. Yes. He's got a writing credit on this, and he's it's not much awful. of a writer. <laughs> um, you know, you only have to watch Avatar to be aware of how how lost he can get in his own crappy writing. Yeah. Um, um. So, but you know, so like I say, I can't recommend it, and you definitely don't. But I had a good time. And you, you know, you sometimes you have to keep two sets of books in your life. Yes, well, I, I mean, my thing as well. You know, you have to be honest about your responses, and mine was just that I found it really dull. You know, and actually, I kept looking at my watch, so which you know I don't often do. I mean, I think I'm very open to most things, and I'm, you know, I don't expect anything to be perfect, and I can take pleasure in kind of different kinds of things. I mean, even costumes or something, but actually, kind of, you know. Once you experience the look of the place, which is pretty fantastic, but then they don't do much with it. So actually, yeah. you know, and to me, that was all that uh, that that I had to recommend. You know, I, I, I admired certain things kind of initially the look of Jennifer Connelly. Mm. You think, oh, wow, you know, she looks amazing. And, you know, th- I mean, there's been a lot of attention paid to the looks of things. Right. So, you know, there are moments where Mahershala Ali looks, you know, amazing with those blue eyes or you know jennifer connelly has like this kind of wonderful black dress where and she looks amazing kind of just walking right um also ed's crime looks fantastic you know in this kind of with this beautiful face and the cyborg body yeah kind of it's very arresting but again you know that's like the first image is you go wow and then what do they do with it? What purpose does it serve? How is it expressive? How is it kind of like related into a, you know, a character and relationships between... Ca- All of that is nothing in mm. this film. So kind of dull, dull, dull. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not bothered about the sequel. No. <laughs> Assuming there is one. It's just, you know... Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. So... Um, yeah, disappointment. Is- disappointment, Alita. Really. You know, I liked it, but I didn't. There you go. 
Okay, <laughs> good. So we'll stop arguing. <laughs> We're gonna agree <laughs> there. And, and I'd say just stop swearing so much in kids' films, for Christ's sake. You know, yeah. <laughs> just, just fucking. Yeah. Just, so you know, like, stop fucking swearing. Stop fucking swearing so goddamn much. Just like, are these aimed at kids or not? It really, it's confusing to me. Yeah. There you go. Um, All right, hang on. We are eavesdropping on the movies, and we are on SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, YouTube. And Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye bye.